0: Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bulletproof Business Radio here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. My name is Stuart Crawford, and I want to welcome you uh, again this week to our uh, bi-weekly radio program. Eh, sometimes it's weekly depending on uh, what the schedule looks like and uh, availability of guests. So welcome again to our, our program. We have a very uh, interesting program today. I was uh, at a seminar last week uh, put on by a client of Bulletproof Planning Strategies and they're talking about uh, you know RSPs and different ways of managing our money. And I said, you know what, given the way the world's economy is today, this is a great topic to come and talk to uh, entrepreneurs and business people and owners of small business, uh, different ways that we can move some of our investments around, even you know save for retirement because most of us as uh, small business owners do not have uh, you know pension plans and things that other larger companies have. So I was quite intrigued when I saw David Appleton and, and our guest Christian speak uh, on uh, rock versus RSP, and you, you know you might have been questioning what is a rock, and we'll get into that. Uh, uh, this afternoon during our uh, 30 minutes here together. But I'd like to welcome our guest, uh, Christian, from Planning Strategies. Christian, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, and yourself?
0: I'm doing awesome. So tell us a little about uh, you know, Planning Strategies. What do, you, what do you guys do?
1: Well, we here at Planning Strategies, uh, we're an office of uh, financial advisors. We basically sit down with individuals and family alike and uh, look at their uh, current situation, look where they want to go and, and address uh, their needs and how we can get where they want to be long-term.
0: And uh, so you guys basically help uh, the, help business owners, uh, just regular regular people, uh, maximize their savings uh, for for the future. Is that basically uh, that sums it up?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, business owners and people that are know you know you don't have to be a business owner. You can be working at uh, you know everyday people that you know from all walks of life, uh, varying uh, degrees of income. It doesn't really matter. I think you know a lot of people have that misconception that if you don't make a lot of money, then you uh, you know, maybe you don't deserve or you shouldn't uh, have a uh, financial advisor, but we work with clients uh, with all different types of income ranges. So, what we do, as I said, we sit down, and we address their needs, and, and look at how we can maximize what they have and, and maximize their potential, basically. Uh, great.
0: So, I mean, I think a service that everybody can take advantage of. So, Chris, you know, one of one of the things I was, uh, you know, interested in uh, when when we sat down to your presentation last week. Uh, was this whole thing about uh, alternative ways of uh, saving for, uh, you know, saving for a rainy day, for lack of better terms. But, you know, let's start at the basics. You know, the term RRSP has been around for forever, you know, several years now. I remember, you know, at least 15 or 20 years at least, maybe a little longer. But, you know, let's just recap. What is an RRSP and, uh, you know, do all Canadians uh, uh, can qualify for an RRSP?
1: Well, sure. I think one of the things you need to do is, uh, you know, you need to be working and, but an RSP basically stands for a retirement, uh, registered retirement savings plan. The whole idea behind the RSP was that you would save throughout your working years. The deductions you, that you would receive would be based on the amount that you deposited every year. You would have your investments grow uh, tax sheltered. And the idea was that later on in life, when you stopped working and your income tax, had dropped because of the the lack of income that you were receiving, you would start to withdraw your RSPs and use that as a supplement for your retirement, and they would come out at a lower tax bracket. Uh, That was the theory. That does apply to some people, don't get me wrong, but the reality is is that there's a lot of people who are diligent, save throughout their working years, have good incomes, and what ends up happening is that there is a clawback at the end because the government says, well... You've done such a diligent job on on, uh, on saving, and your RSP is worth X amount of dollars, and, and it's registered, so it can affect people's um, clawback on their on their pensions later on in life.
0: And they actually have to be they're forced to withdraw this money at uh, you know I think you guys said age 71, is that correct?
1: That's right. I mean an RSP at the age of 71 becomes a, a RIF, which is a, a retirement income fund. So you are forced to start the withdrawal at the age of 71. It is fully taxable. Uh, Upon withdrawal, and um, and that are some of the drawbacks to an RSP when you're looking at an aging population that seems to be growing uh, and and living longer per se than than what used to be. So obviously,
0: it could be a challenge for for some people uh, that you know hit 71 and they're forced to withdraw this money and maybe and and live for another 20 or 30 years. We can you know the potential that money can run out.
1: Absolutely. You know, and it also, you, know, you have to look at you know, this past year as a prime example, a market decline of you know, 30 to 50%, and these clients are forced to withdraw money from their risk. Well, what ends up happening is that you're actually having to sell more of your assets in order to achieve a certain dollar value, which the government in turn has required. So if you had to take out $10,000, well, you may have had to sell the equivalent of $15,000 because of the depression in the market. So that arsenal, so timing becomes very uh, uh, important for people that are in risk When the, when there's a market decline, they're penalized uh, more so than than if they weren't.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that being a, a huge problem for some people.
1: Certainly. So certainly.
0: one of the one of the, one of the things I run across and I'm talking to people about, you know, in just general conversation, is, you know, they often max out their RSPs. Like there's a certain percentage, I do believe, of your your income that uh, you can you're eligible to save towards an RSP. But what you know, what can people do if uh, if they're if they run out of the room or they you know they, they want to put more money away but can't put it into an RSP?
1: Sure. Well, that's a great uh, question. That you know that really hits part of the uh, the thesis of our presentation. There are lots of people that do max out their RSPs, and, and that is a good thing. Uh, I think they just have to be cautious as they move forward later on in uh, in life. But uh, people that max out their Ps and looking for other deductions, well, this program that we have established. Uh, does address that there are alternative ways to have um, deductions uh, deductions do not only come in the form of an RSP they can come in the form of um, the interest payment on an investment loan perhaps uh, that is a uh, that is a, a legitimate uh, and sound alternative to reducing your, your your taxable income as well so that is one of the uh, premises that we do uh, suggest to our clients in conjunction with other things uh, because it has to be sound uh, as to what you're investing in, but that is uh, one of the main things. For instance, teachers—they uh, usually have good pensions, so their RSP limits are reduced, and so what ends up happening is that they usually max out very quickly in the year their RSP contribution room. And this strategy, utilizing the rock, allows clients to double up on their de- uh, deductions. Basically, we can do their RSPs and another form of deduction via the uh, their ROC, and uh, and that's a way to you know maximize their potential and also enhance, maximize their, um, their deductions and, and help them get money back. Okay, so that,
0: I mean, you mentioned the term ROC. That What does that stand for?
1: Well, ROC stands for return of capital. And basically what it means is that you make an investment into a, an instrument like a mutual fund, for an example, and this mutual fund has a distribution, but it's deemed a return of capital. And what ends up happening is that as that mutual fund pays you back you are not taxed on that distribution that comes in to, that comes to you because it's your own capital. So it's post-tax dollars that we're invested in. It's post-tax dollars that are coming back to you. What you end up doing with a return of capital is you are able to defer the tax consequences to a later date, i.e., when you, in turn, sell the investment. If there is growth on, on your portfolio, which we all hope there is, you are paying a capital gains tax, but... The capital gains is also at a 50%, which is much more tax efficient than an RSP, which is 100% taxable upon withdrawal. So, return of capital is just basically what the uh, the ROC stands for, the return of capital, which is your own money coming back to you. What are so you've, already, you've already paid?
0: You already paid the tax on that money that you're investing, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's why you're not getting double dipped.
0: Okay. So. You know, how does how does something like this work and you know uh, I think I think you kind of covered it, but is there anything else we missed on how a return of capital works?
1: Oh sure, I mean we just really briefly uh, you know skipped over it The idea there is, is that with a return of capital, the result is that you end up with non taxable cash flow in your pocket and like I said, you defer the gains so the idea is well what do we use that return of capital for well in our uh, in most of our cases we like to cover three main things for our clients additional investments, which can be Further RSPs or RESPs if they have children, or these new TFSA, which are the tax-free savings account, non-registered investments. So we look at investments and, uh, and alternative additional, uh, me, additional investments, and then also we look at medical and life insurance coverage. And if we need to, we also look at their estate and planning needs. Right. So the whole idea and the premise of the ROC is to basically have that cash flow coming back to you and then redistributed it into other types of investments or coverage uh, basis.
0: So, so for somebody like me who's not in this game every day, um, what's the difference between a non-registered and a registered type of account?
1: Well, a registered means that it's registered with the government, so that would qualify like an RSP. And that, what ends up happening is when you deposit money into a registered account, you do have a tax benefit in the sense that there's a deduction based on your marginal tax bracket, Uh, in relation to the amount that you invested. So if you were at a 30% tax bracket and you were to purchase $10,000 worth of RSPs, all things being equal, you would have a uh, 30% refund equivalent to $3,000. Non-registered money, uh, also known as open money uh, in the financial industry, is money that's not registered with the government. And if it's not registered with the government, then you do not get a tax benefit when you make the initial investment or subsequent investments, but yet you do have more of a favorable tax treatment when you actually realize the gains when you sell your investments. So if you make a $10,000 investment, uh, you're not going to get any tax breaks on that $10,000, but if it grows to, let's say, $20,000, you double your money, you have a $10,000 gain, you're only paying taxes on $5,000 of that at your 30% tax bracket. So it's much more tax-efficient than an RRSP.
0: Now, isn't there uh, rules around uh, you know capital gains that certain uh, Canadians are exempt a certain dollar amount in their lifetime?
1: Uh, yeah, you are, but and uh, and more so if you decide to go uh, non-resident, there is a deemed disposition when you go non-resident for capital gains, and at the same time, what ends up happening then is is that uh, uh, and you don't have to sell your investments, but any investments that stay on that you keep invested at the, uh, at the end of the day won't be, uh, won't be charged capital gains. So it's a much okay. more favorable tax treatment uh, open money versus that of RSP money. So we do okay. advocate that you should have a bit of both.
0: Okay. So one of the other things I pulled away from uh, your presentation was around uh, the return of capital and, and how it works. Is you guys really, at Planning Strategies, really focus on a conservative strategy. That has a number of different elements. Uh, can you describe what some of those elements and how we can you know, leverage uh, a rock through uh, your organization?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, we really break down the, the return of capital investment concept into four main points. Uh, one is obviously using return of capital uh, investments. The other one is u- utilizing, in this case, for the most part, structured portfolios. And the reason we, we choose structured portfolios is because there is a greater diversification across uh, sectors and asset classes, and therefore we are able to mitigate the risk to the client more so than just picking one particular individual fund. Uh, having said that, though, there are some funds that we do choose in this uh, return of capital, which is just a, a particular individual fund. Um, the other one that we do utilize is we do utilize an investment loan uh, for the simple reason that we are able to not only deduct the interest cost. But we are able to also, to a certain extent, magnify the gains to, for the clients. And uh, we utilize, in that case, we do use TD Investment Lending Services. They have a program, which is a three to one no margin call. So the no margin is also peace of mind for not only us, but for the client as well, especially in a downturn market. And last but not least, we do also utilize uh, manual uh One. Uh, and that is a, an account that we utilize uh, for our clients to be able to pay down the debt on their house uh, more quickly and more effectively. So yeah, me... I saw
0: those commercials on TV uh, late, late recently. I, you know, <laughs> When you mentioned the first time, now I see it every time I go. Maybe just one point of clarification. What do you mean by a no margin uh, when you're talking about the, uh, the investment loan?
1: So a no margin, just basically um, brokerage firms or stock brokerage firms, uh, you used to be able to borrow money, and you still are today, you would put up uh, $100, and they would, uh, you know, give you, lend you uh, ten times that. So you have it, you know, ten to one. And so, basically, you have a thousand dollars invested, and you've only put up $100. But if your investment drops to a certain percentage, you would be expected to make up the difference. So, if the thousand dollars was worth $500 the next day, they would expect you to come in with a check for $500. That was the margin. So, a margin call means that the bank or the lending institution is making the call for you to. To make up the difference in the loss or to pay down what you've borrowed one or the other Uh, with a no margin it means that even if the market does drop which it did in the last 12 months then there is no margin call regardless of the of the of the loan to value ratio that the client has because the client is borrowing they are leveraging and the leveraging does have two effects one is positive and obviously one is negative in the same way that it looks very good in an upswing market it can. Uh, it's a double-edged sword, and it also has to be understood that it can be. Uh, it magnifies the losses as well in a downturn market. So, the investment loan, even though it is a no-margin, which means that TD, in this case, won't come and ask for the client to put up, let's say, 25%. If it dropped by 25%, the clients have to understand that short-term fluctuations can result in a in a drop of 25%, especially when it is leveraged. That in that and therefore these are not uh, short, uh, to- uh, short-term short programs. They're usually minimum five years, if not longer. So if I, if I understand
0: right, uh, so the margin calls that you were describing kind of led to probably some of the financial disasters we had a year and a half ago, uh, because I understand a lot of things were were hedged or leveraged, uh, you know, against some pretty aggressive margin calls. But also, um, you know, and uh, if if somebody went ahead with a strategy like this and, you know, of course, you mentioned it's long-term, but if they, got, if they started to panic and decided to sell, they would be responsible for making up that difference if there were any shortfalls. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. I mean, obviously, you know, if we utilize a simple example, a client puts up uh, $50,000 uh, and TD lends them one hundred and fifty for a total investment value of $200,000. market, If the market does drop, the first $50,000 that erodes is their own. Uh, And if they should erode below $150,000, and let's say that their $200,000 is now worth $130,000, and and they decide to, for whatever reason, to pull the chute, well, they in turn, not only have they lost their $50,000, they would still have to pay back an additional $20,000, because they have to make up that $150,000 investment loan that they have to TD. So there is, uh, and that's why, you know, you have to be careful, you know, and this isn't for everybody, Uh, leveraging is not for everybody. Return of capital can be used without the leveraging aspect, but uh, you, you take away the, the benefit of the tax deductibility if you don't borrow to invest, right? So, yeah. so that's the, uh, that is the potential drawback with this loan. Um, but having said that, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. And over a long term, like I said, 5 to, to 10 years, uh, traditionally speaking, with a reasonable rate of return to 6 to 7% rate of return, you do come out ahead.
0: So let me okay. So enough of the less enough of the negative side of it. Let's look at the positive side here. Do you have an example that you can share with us that you know if a, a regular person on the street wanted to go do with us uh, do something with us? Uh, even since the uh, you know since the market kind of bottomed back in you know late February March timeframe, if somebody would have jumped in in, in that timeframe, where would they be sitting today?
1: Well, that's a great question, uh, and obviously we have had some clients who. Uh, who have done it who have listened to us as uh, the market drops what a lot of clients forget is that things are going on sale you know we all run to the stores uh, when we you know for boxing day and we always look for the best price on a automobile and for our home purchases but not necessarily we take the same position when we're looking at investments so clients that have invested with us in January and February and March have been duly rewarded for their well let's call it intestinal fortitude uh, we had clients who had done this uh, ROC investment loan program. They had pledged uh, $50,000 from their home, uh, utilizing uh, the Manual Life One account, and TD in turn had lent them $150. We invested that $200,000, and uh, that in turn pays a distribution of 8%. So that is equivalent of uh, $16,000 per year, or $1,300 and change on a monthly basis. What we were able to do with that money was, in addition to paying the interest cost for the investment loan, we were also able to set up, in this case, two tax-free savings accounts with a uh, monthly contribution of $400 into two accounts. Subsequently, because of obviously, in this case, and I, I said it's not timing the market; it's time in the market. But their their um, their decision to purchase uh, when the market was very depressed has uh, has paid. Uh, very well for them because in May of this year, approximately uh, three months after they invested, we were able to take out uh, $10,500 from that investment loan. The growth in their portfolio, uh, in addition to the distributions, had grown to the point where we were able to withdraw uh, $10,500 and apply that to the RSP. Now, it's also important to, to, to bear in mind that when you take that $10,500 out of the portfolio, that is, uh, there is a capital gains on that. There is actual a, a tax consequence on that ten thousand five hundred. It's once again, it's only at fifty percent of the of the uh, of the gains, but there is a, a taxable consequence to the client. But we also mitigate that by putting it into their RSPs. So that was done in May. Uh, we had a very strong uh, three months between March, April, May, and, and actually into June as well, to the point where. In June, we withdrew an additional sixteen thousand dollars so that two hundred thousand had grown uh, to about two eleven We took ten thousand and change out within a month later it had grown even more so and what we did was we took a, an additional sixteen thousand dollars invested that into uh, into the RSP uh, partially we divided it down the middle uh, so that both um, applicants would get the RSP uh, uh, deductions and benefits as well, and that once again would offset the capital gains on that 16000 But the entire time, this investment loan is also producing that return of capital distribution. So in addition to this 26000 that it's been able to pay into RSPs, it's also paid for the interest costs, and it's simultaneously invested money into TFSA accounts, these tax-free savings accounts. So at the end of the day, you know, what were we able to accomplish for the clients? Well, we were able to accomplish um, approximately, you know, $2,500 into each tax-free savings account, uh, give or take about $26,000 into uh, into their into their RSps, um, $18,000 into one and and, and $8,000 into the other. That investment, as of the end of July, had once again grown to approximately $207,000 and change. So we've averaged uh, a very good rate of return. Because of the, of the choice of selection of the funds, but also, uh, let's be honest, the timing that we were able to get into the market. And so we've now been able to take care of the majority of the RSPs for one client, position them into these tax-free savings accounts so that we can draw money out if we need to add it into other types of investments or if we need to pay for some sort of insurance coverage. And uh, we've averaged uh, you know, a, a double-digit ra- uh, rate of return for them and, uh, and gain in their portfolio.
0: So it sounds like uh, you know, being at the right place at the right time also paid off for this uh, client of yours.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's understandable that clients in a downturn market don't want to throw more money at their investments when, they're, when they see them going down, but it's a very good strategy to dollar-cost average down in a downturn market and then have that market, um, when it turns around, you'll be rewarded for, for the additional monies that you put in because you were able to purchase a greater amount of investments for the similar dollar value. Um, that's certainly one thing. And then the other thing is is that when you borrow money to invest, uh, i.e. leveraging, well, you're getting a large capital injection into the market at one time. That is the opposite as opposed to dollar cost averaging. So, you know, all of a sudden, as opposed to putting $500 per month, you all of a sudden have a a $200,000 injection. And if the market was depressed, um, as it was, and now it's with a rebound, I mean – it's obviously done wonders for them. They would never have had this rate of return had they done a dollar cost average scenario. So that is a benefit, uh, and that is a positive aspect on borrowing to invest. Uh, we do advocate uh, leveraging, but it has to be conservative, and I think it has to be right for the client. You know, And, and the amount has to reflect the ability uh, for the client to at least sleep well at night.
0: That sounds great.
1: And so, Kristen, I mean,
0: you mentioned $50,000 mm-hmm. as your example. But I'm assuming you don't have to have fifty thousand. What happens if you just had five or ten thousand dollars? Could you get into a program like this?
1: Well, of course, as I said, we deal with clients with varying ranges of income. So some clients put a hundred thousand dollars and some say, Well, you know what? I just want to dip my, you know, my toe in the water and kind of feel the temperature and so they start off with a with a more modest amount. Maybe five thousand, maybe fifteen thousand, maybe twenty five thousand. And then as they start to feel more comfortable with the whole concept of it, because it is very different it's very new for people and a lot of people haven't heard of it but as they start to get more comfortable with it we are able to in turn position them into uh you know an adequate amount maybe they increase it down the road and uh but we haven't had anybody decrease it yet so that's a you know that's a good thing and that's a testament to what we're doing for our clients
0: yeah well i've known you guys uh for a very long time so it's uh you know i can uh I can back you up when I say so you guys have been here for uh, for a while, and you know I know known, known Dane, of course, Dave, and of course yourself for uh, for a few years. So, you know, in uh, in conclusion, Christian, you know, we only got about five minutes left. Uh, is there anything that we've um, we haven't addressed with concerns to uh, the return of capital versus RRSP?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, if you want to look at, at a you know a brief tax comparison, you know, like some of the benefits, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, clients that max out or even clients that are older, you know. Um, if they're being clawed back on their old age security, sometimes these tax deductions or these additional tax deductions are are um, are an alternative way for them to get some of that OAS back, you know. And uh, it's not for, like I said, it's not for everybody. But uh, once you're over the age of 71, there is no benefit to putting money into the RSP because you're not getting any uh, you know any any further tax deductions, uh, and it has to be withdrawn anyway. So if you wanted to compare them. The RSP. what are some of the positive things that you should take away from the RSPs? Well, that the contribution is deductible. It's tax deferred income. You can roll it over to your spouse and you can do income splitting. Uh, Now, some of the drawbacks of an RSP is that obviously uh, your income is 100% taxable. You do have a forced withdrawal at the age of 71 and there is no tax deduction after the age of 71. And if you compare that with the ROC, Investment strategy well the interest is tax deductible. the investment income is uh, has a preferred rate uh, as far as the, the pardon me as far as the actual capital gains. You can also roll it over to your spouse as you can with an RSP. There is no mandatory RIF conversion so you don't have to convert it. There's no contribution limits on an annual basis like there is in an RSP and so because of that, we feel that the borrowing to invest with the return of capital scenario Is more beneficial than the RSP. But having said that, some of those distributions that we have for clients, we do put them back into their RSPs because we do believe that there should be a certain amount of money going into both registered and non-registered. What ends up happening is most clients have all of their money in registered and very little in non-registered. So we try to balance out the equation for them in a more equitable manner.
0: Great. So last question, Kristen. Uh, Is there any you know, when is it too late to get into something like this, or is it, or is it never too late? Say if you're 60 years old and you're, you know, you haven't been saving into an RSP uh, because of one reason or another. Is it is 60 too late, or is just, or are you still right in the perfect time to do something like this?
1: Oh, you're not. You know, you're never too. Uh, you're never too old. I mean, if you're in your 80s and 90s, perhaps. But uh, if you're in your 60s, you're traditionally coming out of your best income earning years, which are the 50s. Uh, so the reality is, is uh, if you haven't started. Well, doing a leverage ROC program is one of the ways in order to actually bolster your returns and get ahead. Uh, We had a client who was in their early 70s, had cash, uh, not a whole lot, but what we were able to do is by doing this return of capital, we were able to get them a large amount of money, as I'd indicated earlier, into the market. They've experienced the growth on that, and in addition to that, we've been able to supply and take care of some of their insurance needs, i.e. they needed some uh, some disability coverage and things like that. So that is a, a, a prime example of where we take clients that are in their early 70s um, and and basically are able to put this program in, in place for them. So no, I wouldn't say that there is a, a specific age or not.
0: Great. Christian, we're out of time uh, for our show this week. Uh, in closing, uh, how do people get in touch with you guys if they you know, they stumble upon our show here and in, want to uh, have a conversation with you or Dave about uh, return of capital uh, and RSPs.
1: Well, uh, obviously, they can, uh, they can call us. Uh, we have an office here in, in Calgary. Our telephone number is 403-262-6055. Uh, you can also go onto our website, uh, which is www.planningstrategies.com. Uh, it might be under construction because we are just in the, in the midst of changing it and uh, but i would inclu- uh, encourage clients to uh, to either contact us or they can email us as well. Uh, my email is uh c-d-e-m-a-r-i-n-o at uh, psgroup.ab.ca and you know if they want to you know email a question or something like that by all means or call and ask some questions, uh, they're more than welcome to.
0: Great. Thanks Christian. We're out of time for this week on Bulletproof Business Radio. My name is Stuart Crawford. Thank you for joining us. If you have anything you'd like to add to our program, please feel free to reach out to us at area code 403-206-2233, and we'll look forward to chatting with you all again real soon.